Hello, and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magalie on a Journey. I'm your host, Magalie Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the show. I'm so excited to have you here, and I'm really excited about today's conversation. Um, I get to speak with a lot of amazing different guests, and this was one that we found each other through social media. I found her uh, page called Sister Sista, and... It's a really beautiful conversation. We so we have Trudy on this week uh, on Unlock Your Vitality, and Trudy is a stay-at-home mom who really talks about the journey to becoming a mother. Firstly, in during the pandemic, finding out that she was pregnant a few weeks after the pandemic began in Canada, which is um, which was very very strict in terms of the rules and regulations that were happening throughout the pandemic. And so, um, yeah, she talks about that journey. And then we actually go quite a lot into the partnership angle and what it means to reconnect with your partner. What does your partnership look like before having a kid? And then how to continue to um, yeah, just reconnect and find each other and come together And I think you're really going to love this episode. I feel like a lot of times I focus uh, some of these conversations based on, you know, the career that um, these women have created or when it's with Raul, obviously conversations about him and I. And this was also a beautiful conversation talking about like tying your worth to productivity and going from working full-time to becoming a stay-at-home mom. I just think that there are a lot of questions and things that a lot of us might uh, be thinking about that Trudy went through and shared her experience from her heart. Um, So I'm really grateful and I think you guys are going to love this episode. Before we get into it, I just wanted to share that I have finally released my October Reiki dates. Uh, I'm so excited. Sessions are now going to be 60 minutes. And so if you're interested and in the Bay Area for some hands-on Reiki healing, please um, reach out. I'll add the link in the show notes so that you can either just book directly or if you're curious just about what Reiki is um, and how it can potentially help you, please um, do reach out. I am also opening uh, some more spots for my vitality coaching. So if you are somebody that is just looking to find your inner source of vitality, whether that's from an energetic perspective and you're feeling like tired when you wake up in the morning and you're wanting to have a little bit of a change through your lifestyle of whether it's the different things that you're eating, drinking, consuming. We look a lot at consumption, um, and I don't mean that from just a nutritional perspective, but also like what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you just doing and and utilizing your time day to day? And then um, I work with also a lot of women who are 
going through things throughout their relationships, whether it's your relationship with yourself and you know, wanting to um, get into some of the next steps that you've been dreaming of for yourself and feeling a little stuck there. Or if it's your relationship, uh, looking at relationship with your partner and some of the struggles and wanting help navigate some of those things. Um, And then another angle that uh, I really love working on is helping women find a way to connect to their intuition and make that into action. And so um, it could mean a side hustle, could mean creating your business, amplifying your career, transitioning into something new. Um, Yeah, those are all some of the things that we can get into in my Vitality Coaching Program. So if that's something you're potentially interested in, feel free to reach out. And now, without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show. We have such a special guest today, Trudy. Welcome to Unlock Your Vitality. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for being on your podcast today. Uh, It's a little bit different for me. Usually I'm the one hitting record, so it's nice to be in the guest seat for today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was such a pleasure to be on yours. Um, And now I'm excited that we're turning the tables around and that I get to ask you some questions and that our audience gets Mm. to learn more about who you are. (laughs) Yes, it's super exciting. All right. So let's start with just your story, a little background, just so people can get an understanding of who is Trudy. Okay. So again, hi, everyone. Thanks again, Megaly, for having me on your podcast. So my name is Trudy. I am a full-time stay-at-home mom. Basically, I had my soon-to-be three-year-old at the beginning of 2020. Uh, Basically, we found out that we were pregnant a couple of weeks after the pandemic was announced. So our whole world was kind of just flipped upside down. And I was basically, after becoming a mom, looking for a community because we were in lockdown in Canada, um, which had some of the most strictest lockdown procedures. We couldn't go outside. I couldn't interact with other moms or other women or even my family. So I was desperately looking for that village And I found it on social media, so particularly Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And that was just where I created a community of like other women and moms where we could just like talk to each other and share our experiences. And I think that's part of how the Sister Sister podcast came about and just wanting to continue to share those stories and experiences from other women and moms. Um, I also am a part-time content creator Um, Just from being on social media for so long, I just felt that there was just a gap and wanted to, again, just share my stories of being transparent through motherhood and just connecting with other moms and connecting with other women. Hmm, I love that so much. I mean, I know that Canada was insanely strict because my sister, I was telling you, lives in Toronto and Mm -hmm. it was very interesting to be, yeah, seeing how the pandemic is handled obviously differently all over the world, but I can't imagine as a new time mom or a first time mom, how (laughs) it felt so like isolating. Extremely. So I mean, even just to give you like a glimpse, like I remember when we were, when I was going into labor, like it was full masks mandate when Mm. you're pushing. I was like, can I take my mask off when I'm like pushing? They were like, 
no full mask, you know, only your husband, wow. thankfully. Because I know right in the beginning that some moms were actually alone yeah. in their delivery rooms. So I was like so grateful that my husband was able to be there with me during that whole process because that was, I mean, that was an experience and I couldn't imagine doing it alone. So it was just leading into the pandemic. Sometimes I say that it was kind of a blessing in disguise. We can mm-hmm. get into that a little bit later. But then I also feel like it was like moms who went through that and who have children through the pandemic, like our lives are forever changed. And there was just something that was missing that we'll never be able to get back because of that experience. Mm, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely touch into that. The idea is to already get into all the things that are not talked about in motherhood. And I feel like you just had that extra layer of obviously experiencing it during the pandemic. But so talk a little bit about your journey through motherhood and some of the things that we've talked about this a little bit outside, but the things that you kind of had wished you knew, whether it was like being prepared for or yeah, that the things that aren't really talked about. For sure, for sure. So as I mentioned, um, we found out that we were pregnant like a couple weeks after the pandemic was announced. And actually to backtrack that, I would say that for us, getting pregnant took a long time, um, probably about two and a half years to actually Mm. get pregnant just from me coming off of birth control. That took almost like a year for my body to fully like eliminate being on birth control for so long. And I would also say that being a workaholic contributed to that Mm. as well. I was working six days a week. I work in the medical dental field. So I was working six days a week, workaholic. I pretty much attached to like my worth to my productivity. So Mm -hmm. I was work, work, work all the time. And as I said, I feel like part of the pandemic was a blessing in disguise because it forced me to slow down. And I think certain parts of my pregnancy I was more focused on taking care of myself instead of going back to work or being in that productive state of mind. It was more so focused on eating healthy, trying to, you know, walk and get out more. So that was just like the beginning stages of my pregnancy and thinking that the pandemic sort of was a blessing in disguise um, for somebody who was a workaholic and who had to You absolutely had to slow down. Like, as I said, in Canada, Mm -hmm. everything was shut down. Those first couple of weeks, there were no cars on the road. So just being at home and kind of enjoying pregnancy, that was nice. But everything else kind of following that, leading into giving birth and into postpartum and still being through that pandemic was, was very difficult and very trying. And there were a lot of struggles there attached to that. Yeah, I bet. And um, you mentioned that you were working full time six days a week before. When did you make the decision? Did you always know that like once you were pregnant, you would be a stay at home mom? How how was that transition? Was the pandemic the transition into like staying at home? How did that go for you? Yeah, that's actually really interesting because I never thought that I was going to be a stay at home mom. I always assumed that as soon as I had my baby, that like my child would be in daycare and I would continue working. And the pandemic definitely was that switch that said, it's okay to stay home. It's okay to slow down your life. And I Mm -hmm. think for couples, you have to have that conversation to know if being a stay-at-home mom is right for you and right for like your household and for your family. And for us at that time and continuing, it has been the best for our family. Right now, that's the state. I don't know if that's going to be the same five years from now, 
Um, but just right now, having a young child, being a stay-at-home mom has been the most beneficial thing for my child and for my family. So I definitely wasn't expecting that. And it was a difficult transition for someone who was working all the time and attaching your productivity to, you know, going to work all the time. So being at home, I had to figure out, okay, it's okay not to work. It's okay not to be busy all the time. It's okay for your household to be a one income household. So there was a lot of stuff that I struggled with as I transitioned of just doing less and being more present in the time and not having to be on the go. So that's the stuff that I had to go through to get out of that state of wanting to be busy all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure it can also, I mean, we saw it just from being at home. It's also easy to be busy at home, right? There's like always laundry, always food you can cook, always something to pick up after a little one. So how do you handle that? Like still not tying your worth to productivity, because even though you were doing that from a work setting, it can look the same or different, but feel the same in a household. Yes, very true. Very, very true. And I think I went through those cycles. I went through um, those months in beginning of postpartum where I was like, okay, I have to clean. I have to be productive (laughs) and I have to clean something every single day. And then I started to say, okay, I have to cook. I have to make sure that there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it has to be these elaborate meals. So I went through these different transitions of trying to find like, where do I fit in and being a stay-at-home mom and trying to be super Mm. productive and almost trying to match the productivity that my husband had because I wasn't bringing financially to the family. I was like, I have to put in, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. and I have to, you know, be clocking out at six and I have to be, you know, on my feet Mm. all the time, always wanting to try to prove myself. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, after having conversations with my partner and talking to other moms and just going through kind of a state of reflection and realizing I don't have to be busy all the time. I don't have to be cleaning all the time because listen, there's always going to be a mess. When you have, you have someone who's working from home, my husband works from home. When you have a young child, there's always going to be a mess. So it was just a lot of reflecting that it's okay to sometimes, like their playroom doesn't need to be cleaned all the time. Your kitchen doesn't have to be spotless all the time. And I also just thought like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And my husband always said like, your most important job is to just be a mom. It is not Mm -hmm. to make sure that our house is spotless. It's not to, um, you know, Mm -hmm. cook these elaborate meals. So having a lot of conversations with my husband and thinking like, what's the expectation? Like, Mm -hmm. and what are we getting out of this? What is the benefit to our family? Is it that our house is clean all the time? Is it that, you know, we have meals cooked three times a day, four times a day, right on time, hot meals? He was like, that's not my expectation. My expectation is that you're at home with our son and you're interacting, connecting with him and building that relationship. And that's just Mm -hmm. reaffirmed like, yes, this is what I need to be doing. This is what is the most important. This is the legacy. So Mm. I think having those types of conversations with your partner and having those moments of reflection of like, what is my purpose in this? And then Mm -hmm. starting to move towards that purpose. And then once you find that, then going back and saying, okay, I can clean this once a month or clean that every couple of weeks. And then you start to find kind of your schedules and routine in your life. And that's been a part of my, I guess, transition from being a full-time workaholic to a (laughs) full-time stay-at-home mom. (laughs) 
I love that. Yeah, there's so many great points in there. And when you mentioned, obviously, this big transition, what are some of the big things just transitioning, obviously, into, you know, you got pregnant a few weeks after the pandemic, then eventually delivered your beautiful baby boy. How were the, you know, weeks, months, years postpartum? How was that experience? What were some of the things in that transition that you weren't necessarily aware of or expecting or, um, yeah, I can't speak from experience because I'm not a mom yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I have nine nieces and nephews and it's been really cool to see very different experiences. Yeah. And yeah, I'm curious to hear about yours. Yeah. So for me, postpartum was, and again, I think a lot of my experience, the kind of negative aspects are mostly attributed to the fact that we were in a pandemic and locked down mm. because I probably didn't see a lot of my family until six to nine months after. It was a lot of Zoom. It was a lot of FaceTimes. And my son was born in the winter. And in Canada, like there is snowstorms. So we were pretty much like we were locked in our house for mm. for months. Um, didn't see anyone for months. So it was it was challenging. I know that I had a lot of anxiety. I definitely went through the first two weeks of like what they say is like the normal baby blues. And I remember having a conversation with my husband about if what should we do if my mood continues to just go down. Um, we had that conversation before I delivered my son because we wanted to make sure, knowing that we're in the pandemic, that if something was to happen and I wasn't improving or I wasn't feeling better, that I would get the help that I need right away. Because Mm. postpartum depression and anxiety can be very serious. And I think we're starting to hear more conversations around it. But I mean, there's also a lot of shame surrounded with postpartum depression and anxiety that some moms don't want to talk about or don't feel comfortable talking about. We wanted to make sure if I felt that way that I was able to see my doctor, I was able to get help. I was able to, if I needed medication, to take medication or seek counseling. So I think it's important to, when you're going through the postpartum stages, to prepare yourself. We prepare a lot for the baby and having, you know, our nurseries Mm. and our birth plans. We prepare so much for for baby, but moms really need to make sure that they prepare for postpartum, what they go through mentally, what they go through physically. I know for myself, I had a vaginal birth, so I didn't have a C-section, but I did experience some tearing. So everything that was going on, like your body really has to take that time to heal. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy that from during my postpartum that I took that time that I didn't have like the pressures of trying to go into the gym and get my pre-baby body back. Like I didn't have those types of pressures at home. So I was able to kind of just ease into that when I was mentally prepared and I was able to lean on my family for, you know, changing our nutrition and like finally getting to that state where I'm ready to get in shape. But there was a lot of just taking time to ease into feeling better physically. Now, when it came to mentally, that was also, that took months. I I would say probably about a year to Mm -hmm. start to feel. That's when you start to feel normal again. I mean, you're sleep deprived for a long time and you start to get a lot of feelings of worry feelings of like, am I doing this right? Like moms, we're always worrying. We're always nervous if like, is our kid eating enough? Are they sleeping? I mean, it might sound scary, but I know that I've had these thoughts of like, is my newborn breathing? Like you will stare Mm -hmm. at your newborn and be like, are Mm -hmm. they breathing? Are they okay? You know, if they have 
anything that's going on, you're like, they need to go to the hospital, they need to see a doctor. You were just so worried and so anxious. And especially during the pandemic, that heightened for me. So I was absolutely terrified of my son getting sick and not with necessarily COVID, just in general getting sick. So you have a lot of those feelings, at least for me when dealing with the anxieties of that, oh my goodness, is he going to get sick? Is he okay? Is he eating enough? Is he sleeping enough? I had stresses and anxieties surrounded, um, surrounding breastfeeding because I wasn't able to breastfeed. And so the lack of sleep and then getting up to try and breastfeed and then bottle feed and then feeling, you know, not worthy enough or like Mm. that I'm deserving enough because I was unable to breastfeed. So I really went through a hard time of not being able to breastfeed my son and thinking that I was doing something wrong because I was giving him formula. And that was just my struggle of being like a new mom, I think. And then after speaking to a lot of other moms and getting on social media and just understanding that like your child is being fed you know sometimes Mm -hmm. as a new mom you overcomplicate things and I was like my child is being fed he's okay he's safe he's healthy so I had to reaffirm like positive things Mm -hmm. instead of always thinking of the negative and putting myself down being a new mom so I think it's really important to try to switch that script of like think of the positive and look at the positive or else you can start to go down that rabbit hole of worry and it's really hard to come out of it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I think a lot of, I mean, knowing a lot of moms around me, that's um, a lot of very common thoughts, right? Of um, that constant worry, the, am I doing this right? Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Just that. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of see that as or it can be translated a little bit into like mom guilt, right? Like it's not oh yeah, word that we've like heard a lot and that's become even almost like trendy. I'm curious how you actually found community through social media. I love that it's been like a really positive experience. What's mm-hmm. funny is I hear or watch maybe like people that I follow and then they become moms and then they really struggle with the kind of response or the things that are happening on social media and even more added like questions of, well, am I doing this right? Because I'm seeing all these other women uh, do it, you know, all these other different ways or perfectly, um, Mm -hmm. which is obviously not real, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So for me, I think it's really important to kind of figure out the mom that you want to be and work towards that. And that takes time because trial and error, we start things and then we figure like, that's not really, you know, suiting my lifestyle and how I want to raise my son or how you run, how you want to raise your child. I think it takes a lot of trial and error. And I think it's really important to tap into how people that you follow on social media, how they make you feel. And if you find right away that it's, people that you follow aren't making you feel good, then I would say to to hit that unfollow button because you'll just spend so much time focused on, oh my goodness, they're the best mom. Like we're always seeing people's highlight reels on social media. And if we just look at that and and only think that they are like the best mom and that you're the worst mom, like what is the point of following that person? I like to follow people that give me inspiration and drive and motivate me. And if it's someone that's not making me feel good about myself as a mom, I'm just personally going to unfollow them because we already have enough doubt and mom guilt that we put on ourselves. So we don't need it from from social media. 
Mm-hmm. We definitely don't need it from social media. So that just took a lot of time for me to curate other moms and other women that align with with my beliefs, that align with how I want to raise my child, that align with similar lifestyles. So I would say to look at other mom influencers or bloggers and say, well, does she have a similar lifestyle? Or am I trying to, you know, get to that point of like cleaning, like how this person does on clean TikTok or clean Instagram or <laughs> stuff like that. Like if people are giving you like the inspiration, I love that. Um, and motivation to get to a certain point, if it's, you know, working out and being a bit more physically active, like stuff like that, I think is great. It's just when the pages that you're following are starting to make you feel bad about yourself and how you are as a mother and as a parent. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. Another topic I want to talk about is partnership throughout. So obviously we talked about the transition of being a mother, but there is also the transition of being parents together. One of the things that it really seems to me from just hearing how you talked about preparing for, you know, if you had postpartum is that you're a very like conscious partnership. Like you really have these conversations and I'm curious before getting even into what it's been for transition of parenthood, Have you both just always been that way? Was it like a very natural thing or did you really intentionally build uh, your relationship or partnership that way? Um, I think we've always built our partnership that way, just being very honest and transparent. It's also taken a lot of time to get there. Like communication is really important to us. We don't get it right all the time and we know when we don't get it right. And I think becoming parents and reading parenting books has actually helped (laughs) our relationship because a lot of the parenting books is just like rooted in like human behavior and how you want to, you know, treat another person. So after reading a lot of parenting books, you look at your partner and realize, okay, oh my goodness, like this is maybe (laughs) how they were raised when they were younger. And this is how, Mm. you know, you should speak to a person this way and listen to a person this way. So I've learned a lot through reading a lot of parenting books, which I highly recommend new moms to pick up some parenting books to figure out your parenting styles and communication styles and stuff like that. But for me, I've always kind of looked at family, like family super important to me and keeping family together is important to me. So keeping an open stream of communication, if something is going wrong, being on the same page of how we want to parent, of how we see our lives how we see our future. So we plan and talk about stuff like that on a regular basis. And if something isn't right, or if one of us have a not very good feeling, we right away get on top of that and and discuss it. And we try to not let things linger. Mm. And so we're very aware of like, okay, I'm grumpy because this happened, or I'm, I'm sad because this happened. So always taking like a pause and wondering, okay, I'm upset. I don't want to yell at you but I'm upset because of this. Can we table this conversation and come back another time? So realizing, like really being able to be accountable for our own emotions and Mm -hmm. not saying, because I'm upset right now, I'm going to yell at you. So Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like we've just really kind of tapped into our emotional intelligence and not wanting to project it on the other person, but being able to communicate to them um, in a non-hostile manner. And so we've taken that like approach with our parenting and figured out a parenting style that works best for us. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. So how was obviously, you know, once the baby arrived, there was obviously a huge focus on your healing, on making sure that the baby is good and surviving and thriving. 
How about reconnecting as a couple, finding your kind of groove back to each other? How was that experience postpartum? That took some time. That took some time. I mean, every every mom knows of that six-week visit. So, you know, after you have your baby, you go back to see your obstetrician. After six weeks, they do a whole check and say, okay, you're you're ready to go. You're ready to be able to, you know, be intimate with your partner again, right? So I personally think there shouldn't be like a six-week mark because it might take longer for you to get to that point. And even before that six weeks, like you're still tired, you're sleep deprived, you're grumpy, you obviously aren't being like intimate with your partner, like all of those things affect your relationship. And having a new baby really is, is a test to your relationship. And a lot of people say it's not the best time to grade your relationship when you have a new baby, because Mm -hmm. you both can be very grumpy and very angry and um, borderline. Some people might want to get a divorce to be quite honest, Mm -hmm. when they have a new baby, if they're not sleeping well at all, a lot of challenges. Yeah. I listened to a podcast a long time ago. It was during the pandemic actually with Michelle Obama. And she said, having kids is like, if you put a car through, I don't even know what that machine is, but like when you're like lifting it up and like shake everything out Mm. and then you just have like all the little like nuts and bolts just like come out of it. And if the foundation is good, like you're still going to be able to make it through is just such a test and like taking all of the little issues and things that were not great. And it's amplifying a lot of them. (laughs) Oh yeah. I talk about it so much on my podcast because I think sometimes it's undervalued um, how much work you need to put in to your relationship before you have a baby. And the person that you choose to have a child with, I think is really important um, it shouldn't be taken lightly because after experiencing having a child during a pandemic and going through all those struggles, I think it's really important to have respect for each other, your partnership and what you're trying to accomplish by having a child and raising a family and the legacy that you want to leave behind for your children and the modeling also that your child is going to see because you want them to see healthy modeling. You want them to see a healthy relationship. You want to see if you want your child to see if there is a disagreement that my parents can work through this disagreement without putting hands on each other, without yelling, without somebody walking out. So you really, that's the foundation Mm -hmm. that you have to be able to have going into raising your child because you're going to be their first, their first model, the first of everything, right? Mm -hmm. So you want them to see all those firsts and for it to be a good experience. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love the the emphasis on really creating that foundation because I think I'm at the stage where I just got married last year. A lot of friends are in that, you know, um, just age, I guess. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting how easy it is for people to be like, cool, next step, like having kids, having a family. And my husband and I, we do a lot of like couples therapy and um, we've always worked really a lot on ourselves and then together as a desire to like really want to create the life that we're building and the partnership that we're building. And I got a bit caught up after getting married of like, okay, now like we need to do this. And, and then really taking a pause together and being like, wait, like, what are we creating? What are the things that we're still working on? Like, and it's funny because it's almost been like surprise for a lot of the reactions that I'm getting of like, wait, what? You're not like starting to try right away. So yeah, it's been an interesting just like time to navigate. Yeah. And I think it's it's important for 
I think, especially women like in their 30s, if you're getting married or common law or in a relationship, to always take that time before jumping in and saying, let's get pregnant, let's have a baby. Um, it's really important to take that and lay that foundation to make sure that your your partnership is really strong and can weather having a newborn. Like it's, we sometimes think that it's like playing house. Like my mom would always say, it's like, <laughs> it's not like playing Barbies. Like you go, you really do go through a lot and you really are tested and you, you don't want to blame your relationship, mm. the failure of a relationship because you had a child. That should never, I was like, that's never going to happen. Like if our relationship failed, it's because we didn't work at it. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Mm -hmm. Like we were always very adamant. Like we will always work on this. Like we will work on it. Mm. That's our only option. Like we will work on it. So we've made that, um, that commitment to ourselves and, and our, our partnership. So, and we have a lot of respect for each other and, and what we both do and what we both bring to our family. I, yeah, I love my husband. it's beautiful um, yeah it takes a lot of time I think like you kind of rediscover your partnership after you know maybe like months or kind of a year or so after having a newborn and I think it's important to always continue to like to date your partner because that Mm -hmm. romance and that real intimacy of like connecting can fall off because you now having children you don't have time to yourself you don't have like that same alone mm-hmm. time anymore because you will always have a child in between the, the two of you or a toddler interrupting you. So that same level of like intimacy that you may have had before, it might be hard to get back to there. And just to keep in mind for um, it's temporary, like you will eventually get there. Just keep dating your partner, keep being romantic and seeking that like that int- intimacy and that connection and always asking them like tap into like what their needs are mm. and how you can um, you know, give them what they need and how they can do the same thing for you. You know, sometimes it's just the little things, if it's like a shoulder rub or just, you know, actively listening to them, putting down your device and just sitting in and actively listening to them can can mean the world. Yeah, 100%. And really spending that time. And I see it often with just a lot of parents around. It's It can be very easy at the end of the day to come home and to be like, oh, I'm just so tired. Like, I'm just going to turn the TV on and then pass out, go to bed. Yes. And it is that like harder step to say, wait, no, let's turn everything off and just, you know, have like a five minute chat before, like, it doesn't have to be long, right? But just like these little pieces of reconnection. Yeah. And I would say that we actually probably fell into that kind of trap of, oh my goodness, it's the end of the day. Like we'll talk later. We fell Mm -hmm. into that. And then, you know, you start to just feel like you're living with a stranger and you're like, you have to keep working at your relationship just because Mm -hmm. like you're, you're together and married. Like you still have to work at your relationship. You still have to show that person how much you care every single day. So it is getting rid of the distractions. Let's turn off the TV and like turn and face them and just like, and just talk, Mm. you know? we had to just be like, how was your day? Oh, was this? And do you have like, that must have been really difficult for you. How do you feel? You look really Mm -hmm. stressed out. Like, let's sit and talk. What is it that's bothering you? You know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, do we need to have like a little staycation? Or we used to during (laughs) the pandemic have these grocery store dates. So we would just walk through the grocery store. Yeah, we would walk through the grocery store and just like take the longest time doing groceries. But (laughs) That's just what we could do in that season. 
So, so, and sometimes you have to get creative depending on, you know, the support that you have available. Some people, it is just, you know, mom, dad, and new baby, and that's it. And so that can be really challenging to find time to connect to your partner. So you have to be really creative. If it is after bedtime, staying up a little bit later and trying to connect or waking up early and connecting or doing something at nap time, but you have to try and be creative so that you don't lose that spark and that flame in your relationship because your children will grow up <laughs> and you still want to have and love your partner the same way that you did the first you know time that you met them mm-hmm. yeah when you're back when when they're all gone and you're again uh kind of facing I think that's another phase of life that yeah we don't talk enough about of like once you know your kids leave and eventually then once you retire like you are with each other hopefully you know if that's um the situation then it's like okay all the work that you've done until then is really Mm -hmm. the things that are going to nourish that time too for sure for sure and that's it's like you have to think to that end game right and not just doing it because it's like oh i have to do it to like you do it because you want to. And like, that is your life partner. And you're like, I want to do life with this person for as long as I can. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, and, and make it as happy and beautiful as we can, because it's a beautiful life. You know, we're grateful and we're blessed for that. So always just, I think putting in the work as much as you Mm -hmm. can and showing up for yourself and and showing up for that other, other person. And I think in turn doing that, like when your parents, your children see that and, you know, you're just trying to put out, you know, the next generation and and the future generations and hopefully hoping that they're, you know, they're better than their parents, you know, and are able to communicate and connect a little bit better. So just make the future a better place. A hundred percent. It's a powerful place to start in our households to do that with ourselves and then, yeah, in in our households, in our communities. Um, So you talked about the, some of the things that you had to be creative during the pandemic. I'm curious, what is date night or what are those things? What do they look like now that the pandemic is no longer? I mean, COVID's still Mm -hmm. around, but we we're we're (laughs) learning to live with it. (laughs) Oh, Oh yeah. And thankfully, like in Canada, especially like we don't have the same restrictions anymore so um date nights are really nice (laughs) it's really nice to just like especially now that our support you know network has grown and we're able to Mm. have our son like stay with grandma or or grandpa or stay with like his aunt so it feels nice to be able to like sit at a table and look at my partner Mm -hmm. and be able to like have dinner and like share a glass of wine and just and then talk about, you know, where we are currently and where we were and where we want to be in the future and really just and catch up and connect and touch base and see, you know, like if any of our goals have changed and yeah, to see where we are as, as people and then where we are as a couple. So it's a lot of going out to dinners, you know, sometimes doing like a spa dates. We still sometimes do our grocery dates, just walking through the grocery <laughs> stores. <laughs> yeah, going for walks, like doing mm-hmm. stuff like that and just seeing how we can just grow and, and build as as a couple and a lot of reflection too like there we still have you know our rough patches and and challenging yeah. moments in our household and we you know we always go back and say like you know like what happened there like you know so we just try to work through things as best as we can and um our good and happy times we we love those we love those moments <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I love that. Um, 
let's what what are any other kind of like final thoughts or tips for new moms that whether it's like you know throughout the pregnancy journey or maybe in like this bounce back culture what are things mm-hmm. that you kind of wish you knew and believed and embodied um in the moments that you were going through that transition mm-hmm. well i think before i had my son i was I think I was, I was just completely like naive to like this bounce back culture. I was like, yeah, that's a great thing. Like bounce back. And then you have a baby and then you realize to me for bounce back culture, I think it's complete nonsense. Um, I'm not a fan of, of the bounce back culture. I mean, I was before baby 120 pounds during pregnancy, 170 pounds and starting postpartum 170 pounds. And I'm currently at like one one forty, and I know that I'm never going to be my pre baby mm. self, never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I actually would want to be my pre baby self. And I definitely did go through a lot and struggled with society's perception of how moms should look, and the whole bounce back culture, and trying to appease or appeal to um, looking a certain way. And I think from having a community of other moms and realizing, you know, this isn't what I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to make sure that first of all, I'm healthy and okay mentally first. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm ready to get back into shape or feel healthier physically, I'll do that on my own terms. And it's not to look a certain way. And I think that's a really great approach for new moms, just moms in general. If you're feeling that society pressure to look a certain way or be a certain way, just as a mom, Um, Just remember that's other people's opinions just being projected onto you and you really just have to take a good look at who you want to be and, you know, where you're at mentally and where you want to be mentally. And the same thing when it comes to like physically, if you want to try and be healthier, then do that on your own terms and not society's telling you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, I think it's also like, it's something I personally am working on even pre having kids of like just reconnecting to my body and shape changing and going through, we talked about on your episode, all the gut health stuff I went through, like that impacted my weight and it's, and then elimination diets and all these things. And so it's like kind of trying to heal just my relationship with my body pre, because you said, you know, I'll never necessarily go back to exactly like that pre body. It also, or pre-baby, it also makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. you literally birth a human. Exactly. So it makes sense that it's not going to be the exact same. And I think similarly, just throughout our lives, right? Things are going to continue to change and shift. And we have, society has this expectation of like, you're supposed to be like this size, this way exactly. your whole life. And that's just not ever reality. Exactly. And I mean, I remember um, I had a guest Brace the Mom Bod. That's her account on Instagram. And we were talking about the mom bod and, and body image. And we were like, as women, like if we were to take a picture of yourself every single day for 30 days, your body's going to look different every yeah. single day. If you're bloated, yeah. if you're you're not bloated, depending on, on what you're going mm-hmm. through and your hormones and all that kind of stuff. So it's just when it comes to body image, I mean, it's something that you have to take a deep look at from within and know that it's about you and it's not about society. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm really just for just empowering women and making sure that the conversation that we have, we're starting the conversation about it and not other people. Yeah, for sure. I love that. 
This has been <laughs> such a beautiful conversation. We end every episode with five questions. I used to call them rapid fire. I'm just calling them five questions. They don't have to be rapid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but the first one is, how do you unlock your vitality these days? These days, it would be drinking um, my warm lemon water in the morning, um, going for walks, and taking some time to just sit quietly and just reconnect mm. with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. I love that. The next one is, what are you saying no to? My goodness, a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's after becoming a mom and being in my thirties, I've learned to say no to a lot of things. If I know that I'm in a state of like overstimulation and I just, I don't have the capacity, mental capacity to do something, I will just say no. I'm really, mm. I'm saying no to more things than I am saying yes, just for my own mental health. And I'm an advocate for people who want to say no more often. Yes, me too. That's why I have this question as like a little reminder at the end of every episode. <laughs> I love it. The next one is what is on your nightstand? Oh, my nightstand. I have Eucerin for my lips and for <laughs> my hands. I have eye drops and I have my bottle of water. That's about nice. it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The next one is if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Probably do not sell yourself short. There were some times when I was younger, probably the one regret that I have is not going to university and getting my degree because I felt that I, I just, I couldn't, I automatically, I just told myself, you, you probably can't do it. So that's one, one of my biggest regrets and mm. just selling myself short before I even tried. So now I always say, just, just try, like at least try, don't give up on yourself, at least try. The worst that can happen is that it doesn't work and you can pivot and try something else. But if you don't try, you're never going to know what you could have done. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And lastly, what's one healthy habit that you've incorporated in your daily routine? It can be like really, really small, but that's made a big difference in your life. Mm. Ooh, that's tricky. I would say probably drinking my warm water and lemon in the morning. That's one. But another big thing is reducing my sugar I love sweets. I love, love, love sweets and I love chocolate. And I've learned that I have to be a little bit more disciplined. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just taking it day by day and just saying, okay, today, let's try not to have sugar, but I'm, and then the next day and then the next day. So, and if I do, that's okay. So I'm not going to be upset if I do, but I'm just trying to take it one day at a time to reduce how much sugar I have because I was a sugar and chocolate holic. Like I would eat it every single day. So that's <laughs> one thing that I'm trying to work on. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they make this stuff so that you come back to it. Um, so it makes it harder for us. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and I love to bake. So I'm like, huh, what's the alternative? <laughs> what can I supplement sugar for? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I love that. I personally actually love using, have you tried coconut sugar? I haven't. I need to look into that. Yeah. Coconut sugar, um, stevia, natural stevia drops. Um, okay. Also, yeah, you can, it's not the exact same, obviously. Um, but that's okay. 
That's okay. <laughs> Usually, like, I would start at, like, cutting, because a lot of recipes are very, have so much sugar. So I would usually put, like, a third of what they would yeah. call for. But I'm at the point now where I'm, like, let's just try and really just start to to cut it out. So... Cool. Well, Trudy, thank you so much for being on. It was such a pleasure to have you. Where can people find you and tell us about the podcast before you go? Oh, yes. So yes. So you can find me on my my brand's page, True Mommy and Me, and the podcast page, Sister Sister Podcast, um, on Instagram, and I'm also on Pinterest, and I'm on YouTube as well. So I have a lot of stuff, a lot of different platforms, but either True Mommy and Me or the Sister Sister podcast. Amazing. And we will add all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was such a sweet conversation. (laughs) All right, guys. Bye and see you next week. All right, fam. I hope you loved this week's episode as much as I did. And if you did, feel free to share it with a friend. This is truly the best way to support the podcast. And if you would like to rate and review, you can send me a screenshot at unlockyourvitality at gmail.com and I will send you a free gut health bone broth healing ebook. But yeah, if you want to rate and review and just let other people know that you're enjoying listening to the show, it can really help us grow. I appreciate you. I thank you. And I will see you next week.